0: Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans, by fans.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee, she is Tam.
2: Hey Renee, what's up with you?
1: And how are we doing today, Miss Tam? How are we
2: doing? I'm doing most excellent. I think we're going to skip the weekend talk. Or no, actually, no, we can't. Only because Renee had a birthday. So all of our listeners, although we can't hear you, can you guys wish Renee a happy birthday?
1: Thank you so much. And don't ask me how old I am because I stopped counting after 37.
2: (laughs) Okay, so there you have it. So Renee had a birthday. I got a chance to hang out with my friend for a short time on his birthday, which was awesome. I actually, for once, had a really action-packed weekend. I mean, I did a couple of things. In fact, when I came to Renee's birthday gathering, I was leaving a picnic called Soul Nick. It's nothing but house music. I was out there in the park. And that doing- looked
1: super dope, by the way, Tam. That looked really awesome.
2: Oh, my God. It was awesome. So I sweated. I danced myself to death. It was actually crazy because it was almost like the who's who was there. I mean... It wasn't any A-list celebrities, but there are a lot of B, well, I can't even say B. There are a lot of C-D-lister celebrities. And what I mean by C-D-lister celebrities, those celebrities who aren't necessarily on the show, but they always have cameos. But these were working actors. It was a lot of that element there. So it was a great time. But before we go further, well, I guess that's it with the weekend. We have our boy, a.k.a. Front Row Kenny on the podcast. It's been a while. In fact, I don't think we've had you on the podcast all season. Welcome, Kenny. Hey, Kenny.
0: Hey, what's going on, guys? It's always a good... Oh, man, Kenny, it is good to hear from
1: you again, my brother. Always a pleasure having you on the podcast, my man. Oh,
0: yeah, anytime. It's great. It's always great to be on the podcast. It's always great to talk to you guys. has been a long time coming, honestly.
1: If there's an episode that I want you to be on, it's this one, because let's
0: talk about that race. Oh, man, that's probably one of the best races I've seen in quite some time. I really...
2: Okay, wait. Hold up, Kenny. We can't jump into the race before I give you guys the top 10. Yeah. Slow your roll, Renee. Slow your <laughs> roll. We, okay, I'm so we excited about guess. this race. I
1: want to just jump right into it.
2: We have a guest, but there are protocols that we have to follow each and every week on this podcast. So before Kenny... Tells us why he liked the race because everybody loved that race. I don't care who you were. Although we did have some haters on Twitter, but that's yes. for another, another, well, I guess that's for this show, but at a later time, I want to hear from Kenny. I also want to hear from Renee. So let me not go on hashtag Tams rent and give you guys the top 10 from Chicago We already know Kyle B, Mr. Rowdy, Kyle Bush he did everything to come in first place. Kyle Larson, he did what he could, but he came up short and he was in second place. Kevin Harvick, third. Martin Truex Jr., fourth. Clint Boyer, fifth. Eric Jones, sixth. Denny Hamlin, seventh. Joey Logano, eighth. Brad Keselowski, ninth. And Alex Bowman, a top 10 for the young guy. Some notables at Chicagoland. Paul Menard is a notable because he was our pole sitter, but couldn't get it done. In fact, you guys know, I tell you every week, just a reminder, I write for The Drive this week when I wrote my recap of the Overton's 400 race at Chicagoland, I wrote a sentence that said, yeah, Paul Menard was our pole winner. This is mind boggling. Let's take a deep breath and think about this. Paul Menard was the pole sitter. He didn't even lead one lap of the race. How does that happen when you're the pole center? What happened was Blaney got the jump on him, and that was that. So although Paul Menard was our pole center, he didn't even win. He didn't even lead one lap because Blaney took him out on the start. Okay, other notables, Kurt Busch. Came in 17th. He also led 20 laps. And like I said, Ryan Blaney. Blaney actually won 19 laps. He came in 18th place. And this is notable because Eric Amarola won his first stage yep. race of his career. Sure I said first stage race. He won his first stage win of his career, but he came in 25th. Go figure. he won stage one at Chicago. He led seven, 70 laps. Yeah. Mind boggling. Oh, and if I didn't say just backtracking, Paul Menard came in 13. I may have missed that only because I was still caught up in the fact that how do you sit on the pole and don't even lead the first lap? Right. But with all that then. being said, there you have it. That's the top 10 and notables from Chicago. So now that you guys are armed with that information, Kenny, continue.
0: Uh, yeah, um, what I was saying about the race, probably one of the best races I've ever seen in quite some time. Haven't jumped out my seat like that, yelled at the TV or anything of that nature. It's, it's been a while, but I think a part of that is coming from the fact that we got a race in the daytime. It was hot. The surface of Chicagoland is over 17 years old. It's finally given us some character and we got one hell of a show. Damn right. It was just
1: when Tam mentioned the haters that were on the Twitter feed there. I'm going to call that out and just go, that's just plain hate right there. Because as a NASCAR fan, if you don't think that that was by far the race of the year, you're crazy. And if you don't think Kenny and I agree, if you don't think that that's got to be one of the better races that you've ever seen in general in a while, and you're right in quite some time, you're crazy because that, my friends, was pure inner entertaining nothing beat that yesterday watching that unfold did you did you hear the guys in the booth literally like they were besides themselves watching this they they were almost jealous that they weren't in a car themselves it was fantastic to watch that whole thing unfold
2: well it's funny you said they were jealous they weren't in a car because I felt as if Dell Jr. may for just a hot second have been feeling like dang (laughs) I retired too soon he was so excited he was like, slide job, slide job. In fact, I'm not sure if you guys saw the video with the guy and I'm assuming that was his daughter, but they were watching a race and they videotaped themselves and the little girl was like, slide job, slide job. It was the <laughs> cutest, funniest thing. Dale was amazing in the booth. I mean, he lucked out. Let's Let's just keep it real. He lucked out with a race like this. Now, what the haters had to say was, I've read at least five or six tweets where people actually, and I'm going to say this, they had the nerves to say the race was a snooze fest into the last couple of laps. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, from the start where Blaney took the lead from Paul Menard, the stage one with Eric Amarola, stage two, let's not forget the battle between Harvick and Kurt Busch teammates.
1: I was just about to say that.
2: Even going to the end where... Ryan Newman was being Ryan Newman and didn't let anybody pass. I have a tendency to tune out. And I can tell you, I don't recall the entire race tuning out. I literally was engaged from start to finish. Now, I do have a little secret. I was having a hard time distinguishing Dell Jr.'s voice.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: I know that sounds crazy, but I was like, wait, is that Dell's talking? I can't really actually say that I was tuned in for the race purely because Dell Jr. was calling it because that wasn't the case. I just actually thought it was some good racing. I mean, Kenny, I don't know your thoughts, but we usually don't see that kind of action on a 1.5 mile tri-oval track.
0: Yeah, and I think, like I said before, the fact that we got a race, it was incredibly hot. Daytime racing is particularly better. And just like you said, I wasn't necessarily tuned in just because of Dale Jr. on the broadcast. We really got ourselves one of the best races possible from the beginning to the middle portions. Like in stage two with Harvick and Kurt Busch going at it, like things like that happening. You had Harvick, Busch, Boyer, Almarola all mix it up. You know, it was a, a mixed bunch of strategies. And then on top of that, we also had the threat of rain. And, you know, it put some of these teams on edge and we really got one of the best one point five mile races I've seen in some time. Just like you guys have said as well. Yeah,
1: I loved it. It was just, I think, something that we needed. Uh, I think it's what NASCAR needed. I, I think those those fans, whether they were at the track, but especially the ones that were at the track, but even the ones watching it on TV, I think that was something that the fans needed. I think what that makes as a fan, it makes you want to tune in next week. Is this going to happen again? Are we going to have another duel like that? Are we going to have another race like that? You know, whether we do or we don't, the point is, is that now I'm glued? Now I want to tune in next week. I, I'm I want to watch that race. I'm going to make it a point to watch that race. And hell, shit, if I have the opportunity, maybe I'll go to Daytona. You know. So as a fan standpoint, that's exactly what the fans needed, and that's exactly what NASCAR needed. I can tell you that.
2: Well, it's funny, Kenny mentioned it because I forgot that we were under the threat of rain and. Of course, the announcers in the booth, NBC, they made mention of it because, of course, that changes your strategy. I mean, look at how Clint Boyer won the race that was rain-shortened. It definitely affects what happens. But I think that the racing got so good, we forgot that rain was nearby. It just ended up being all out. This is old school This is how it's done. We're going to exchange some paint. And not that there was a lot of exchange of paint, but of course, towards the end. Because at the end of the day, there were some things that happened, whether it was when Denny Hamlin's spinned out. It was a few things that happened, but it's almost like our memory is blocked because there were two significant events. Kurt Busch on the radio griping about his teammate and what Kevin Harvick did and the other significant thing is the Kyle Busch and Larson exchange. Can you guys remember anything else that happened during that race? I'm
1: trying to remember, but it's all being overshadowed by what you just said. (laughs) Uh,
2: You're the historian, so I know you pull facts out your your head.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, in between that time, it it wasn't necessarily like the most significant things in the world. Where you had Clint Boyer had a great car all day, but got himself caught up on pit road going too fast, twice, not once, but twice, went two laps down, came back, but didn't recover fully, also had um Eric Amarola. He had a great car all day and seemed like after the first stage, he faded away, had a loose wheel twice. That also happened to him, but he was a still a good Stuart Haas car. But other than that, those are probably two of the things that I can definitely remember from Sunday's race.
2: Like I said, for me, it's all a blur because I screamed, I yelled. It was everything towards the end. But the great thing is we're going to Daytona. So we'll see some action in Daytona. But I guess it's a different type of action because when we get to Daytona, it's more of a hang on to your seat because the cars may get to flying around. This was a great race because it it was just old school racing. You had passing. You had everything that you can imagine everything that you want in a race happen. You had confrontation between drivers. It just was a great race. Those who think that it wasn't, I am, like I said last week, as NASCAR fans, we have to be a little bit more tolerant of other people's opinions. For those fans who did not like the race, I'm just going to say I'm sorry that you feel that <laughs> way. <laughs> I don't know
1: what else to say. They must be Kyle Larson fans. I don't know. that, But how could you not like that race? It was, it was unbelievable. And seriously, I mean, I, you're trying to read these tweets and whatnot. And you're like, how was that a snooze fest? Like, dude.
0: Like, <laughs> I'm like, what race are you watching? I think it goes. On that note. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Renee. Did, <laughs> did you
2: have something else? Or Kenny? Yeah,
0: what I wanted to say was I think it also goes to the fact that when, the, when a certain person wins, like a lot of people don't like Kyle Busch. A lot of times like fans will really dictate whether a race is good or bad is based upon the person who won. If you don't want to see Harvick win, you don't want to see Kyle Busch win, Martin Truex or any of those guys win. Of course, people are going to be mad and try and watch it under the bus. But we still had a great show. And if they were able to put on on one, two, three finishes like constantly and they battled out like that. I don't know if anybody would really complain, if we're being honest. It's an old school championship battle with Brand new elements with the playoffs. That's basically what we really have.
2: Yeah. This is 100% true. Since Renee brought up Twitter, the tweets, we're going to do the show a little bit out of order, but I'm going to kind of jump, not necessarily to the fan comment of the week, but I want to read some of the fan comments since after all, we're talking about those people who thought it was a snooze fest. During our weekly Twitter chat that happens every Monday, at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we had a few questions and we got more than a few answers. Thank you for all those who threw in their opinion. Well, I don't know. Should I say threw in all those who answered? How about that? That sounds a little bit more professional. We asked the question, Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson put on a show, a clinic on how to race hard. Should anyone be mad at how it played out? Was it fair for Bush to dump Larson? Thoughts? hashtag NASCAR talk. So a few responses that we received. Larry Lee, thank you Larry for always chiming in. His user is LBLEE58. He said no one should be upset on how it played out. Just as Kyle Larson said, he knew the payback was coming. Definitely true. Tiffany, her user is Tiffany Sandell. That's S-H-A-N-D-E-L-L. She replies and says, I don't think anyone should be mad. That was hard racing. And I think anyone would have raced that hard to get the win. I would love to see more of it. Very exciting to watch. Plus, if it had been the other way around, Larson would have done the same thing. Now, Kenny and I have had this conversation and I think Renee, we've had this conversation. I don't feel like Larson has the dog in him to do that. And for those who don't understand what the dog is, it's not anything that is just that some people have moxie and some people have the audacity. And then there are people like me as well who are feisty. I don't think Larson has the dog in him to dump somebody for the win what do you guys think?
1: I'm going to agree with you. I don't think he has it in him either. Maybe he might find the opportunity when it comes again and then maybe take advantage of it. But if those tables were turned yesterday, I don't see Kyle Larson even remotely trying to do what Kyle Busch did. That's just not his personality. That's just not the way he drives. But it definitely is the way Rowdy drives. It is definitely in Rowdy's personality to do that. And it's definitely in Rowdy's history where He's not going to just wait to an- another race. He's not going to wait two weeks from now. If you give him the opportunity, just like he had yesterday, he's going to do it right back at you. And he, he may not start it, but you got being sure he's going to finish it.
2: Kenny, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I definitely can say the same thing. I don't think Kyle Larson is a guy who is a, I want to say this carefully as possible not necessarily an intimidator or anything like that. I feel like Kyle Busch is on that kind of level, but Kyle Larson is more of like a timid guy. He'll race you hard, but he's probably not going to get you into the wall. The only reason why that (laughs) happened was because he drove it in so deep and then he got into the back of Kyle Busch but when Kyle Busch came back oh he meant that one <laughs> that was no love oh, that was yeah, no love tab. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was almost beautiful to watch and I was like it's almost like you saw it coming but you really didn't go is this really happening but you knew it was going to happen and then when it happened you were like why are, why are we surprised like actually that was fantastic <laughs>
2: Okay, two more comments just because Mick Rose, his user is Gold Ducks forty two underscore Mick. He chimed in and said, No one should be mad. It's okay to be disappointed if your driver doesn't win. Yes, it was fair how it played out. He's in agreement with us. Well, did we agree that it was okay? <laughs> what Kyle Push did? Yeah, I oh, yeah. agreed.
1: Yeah, I think so.
2: Okay, cool. NASCAR nerd, his user is underscore NASCAR nerd, simple enough. He said no and yes. NASCAR was built on contact. Larson hits Bush, Bush hits Larson back. Both of them probably made a little more contact than they were planning on, but they went on to finish 1 2. It's all fair play. I will say yes and no to his comment. Yes, it was all fair play, but I don't believe for one second that Kyle Bush didn't mean to make as much contact on Larson's bumper as he did. He intentionally meant to spin him, to dump him out the race. I mean, does yeah. anybody disagree with that? I don't disagree. Is he put with that. the bumper to the back bumper.
1: Oh, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I think what's even more of fantastic than that is how he recovered after he threw Kyle out of the race because he kind of went into the wall well actually he kind of he did go into the wall but still managed to recover and hold off Harvick, who was coming up behind him, and uh, still managed to win that race. I mean that that is one hell of a of a driving tactic right there. I I don't, I don't care how you look at it. That the the fact that he was able to take Kyle Larson out, run into the wall himself, recover, and then take the checkered flag that is unbelievable, man. That that is
0: rowdy as rowdy can get right there. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Definitely can agree with that a hundred percent.
2: Well, I don't even know if we should even bother to talk about the Kevin Harvick and Kurt Busch situation. That's going to be interesting. It almost doesn't even
1: match up to what we just talked about.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, it's interesting because it's teammates. Right. And But then it's, it's racing. Like, yeah, we're teammates. We both are behind the wheel of Ford, so we're teammates on that front. And then we both drive for Stuart Huss racing, so we're teammates on that front. But then at the end of the day, you race to win. Renee, if we're running a one hundred yard dash, track me. I'm gonna beat you anyway, but I'm not gonna <laughs> okay. slow down to <laughs> let you catch up.
1: Well, I would I have to know. give you that because uh, I'm not a very good runner anyway. But yes, if if that is the case, and I have no beef with that. I mean, we we might be teammates, but I want to win the race just as much as you do, and just as much as the next guy. But will I try to do everything I can to 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 win the race? You're dang right I will. It's one of those things where I think people sometimes will get in their head, well, they're teammates, you know, and uh, they should be helping each other. You're right. They should be helping each other. But in the sense of like, I'm trying to win the race too. And Kenny, I'm sure you would agree, but it's a fine line. But at some point, you, you have to be selfish yourself. Am I wrong by saying that?
0: No, I don't think so at all. And I mean, the thing with NASCAR is there really has never been a time where Team orders was a thing. That's like an F one thing in NASCAR. I've never heard of that. The only time I've ever seen teams really get together is at plate tracks. Anywhere else, you won't. You don't really see that very often. You won't. And with the situation with Kurt Busch and Harvick, he had no right to be pissed. Just like Jeff Burton said in the booth, it's racing. Period. You're racing for a championship. Yeah. You're racing for points. It came <laughs> down to the end of the stage. It's just simple as that points are still on the line regardless and that's the that's the thing so it's no need to be mad about that race them hard all the time because he didn't wreck them
2: (laughs) i post this question on twitter if drivers race banged and traded paint like larson and kyle bush did at chicago every week would you be okay with it and this is a little bit Going back to our previous conversation, and I did pose a question about the Harvick and Kurt Bush situation, but I just kind of felt that it was what it was. Like, I don't know. I'm sure Kurt Bush thought about it and he's over it. But to throw out a few answers from that question, Graydon Bun, thanks for always supporting us, Graydon. His user is smooth operator, that's O P-E-R-88OR. He said, not only would I be okay with it, I think the masses would be too. We need to see that grit and determination more often. I realize the track and other factors must be taken into account here, but more of that please. Hashtag NASCAR talk. I agree. Patrick, who said they agree?
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that statement.
2: Okay. You agree, Kenny? Easily.
0: can't even, Can't even say okay. anything else. <laughs>
2: you know what? Only if NASCAR fans were like the three of us, we just all get along. We agree on everything, (laughs) (laughs) at least for now. Okay. Patrick Drone, and that's Patrick R. Drone. His user is Patrick Drone78. He responded and says, as far as hard, clean, and not wrecking, with a question mark, yeah, it'll be nice to see. And then Bill Steinback, the third, his user is Bill underscore Steiny three and that's s-t-e-i-n-i-e number three he said who was against that and i'm gonna drop the mic with that one because to be honest that's what i'm here for i want to see everything that was mentioned from trading paint to banging and i don't care if somebody gets dumped because to me it is what it is Okay, so enough about that. I think we don't want to beat a dead horse in the head. I, I misquote myself on that every week. I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. Somebody, somebody tell me how that saying goes because every week I mess it up. Okay, so since I mess it up every week, I'm going to mess on up to the next topic. Before I do want to talk about Dale Jr. and the Booth a little bit more, yeah. but before we jump into that, I got a question for Kenny. Kenny, did you see your girl Kendall Jenner as in the Kardashian sister, you know, the one that's a model? Did you see she had on your favorite driver's jacket?
0: Yeah, I actually did see that. I was pretty surprised that she went with the Sitco jacket. As a matter of fact, that blue and black instead of the old XI purple and black. I think it's a little more fashionable in my opinion, but you know. That's just me. But it's a cool deal when uh, I see people that aren't traditionally NASCAR fans still rocking like the classic NASCAR gear. It's pretty cool.
2: So if you didn't know, Renee, we're talking about Kendall Jenner. She actually had on an old school Jeff Burton NASCAR jack. How
0: about
1: that? Wow. I
2: wonder where she got it from. (laughs) Now, oh, wait, let's not forget. We saw her dad. Wait. Okay. Excuse me. Reach. Re. Retract. Retrace. I want to be politically. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm not politically correct. We saw her damn daddy because when she was born, it was her daddy. Now it's a she. So we saw Caitlyn Jenner, right. who used to be her daddy, but now I guess it's her mom. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Guys. I don't want to offend anybody. It
1: didn't matter. But
2: <laughs> Well, it does matter because I'm not very politically correct. No, but I think at you the said same it just token, perfectly. I want to respect the community. Okay. I, I I feel like I got my foot in my mouth again. Renee, no, blow me out.
1: You said it perfectly correct. I don't think- Well, you it is anyone. her
2: daddy because when she was born, it was her daddy. So right. I don't know. So on that note, we saw Caitlyn, Caitlyn Jenner, formerly Bruce Jenner at the Fontana race because he was actually there. I guess he was a guest of Kurt Busch's and we talked about this on the podcast. I'm assuming they had a friendship from when Bruce was the Olympic runner or something like that. Okay, okay, Tam's rent. I don't know what I'm talking about. At the end of the day, maybe that's Kendall had the jacket on because her dad loves NASCAR. Okay, I said all that <laughs> to say that. But it was a good look. She paired it with a pair of black jeans. And, you know, I think she it was when she was creeping out with Ben Simmons. Oh, speaking of Ben Simmons, we're about to go down a rabbit hole. But let's be really quick. Let's talk a little bit of NBA because although yes, it's a NASCAR podcast, we cannot ignore what the hell is going on in the NBA. So LeBron James is officially a Laker, but now Rondo's officially a Laker. Javale McGee is officially a Laker, and then Boogie Cousins is now joined with with um the Golden State Warriors. What the hell is going on in the NBA? Unreal. Not to mention, hold that thought, Kenny and Renee. Not to mention, I was. Floored at the fact that your boy re upped with OKC, <laughs> Paul George. That made absolutely no sense for me. Not only did he re up, he signed what, seven year contract? Nah, four
0: year deal. Um, it was
2: four years, but it was something about a three year or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's, a, the it's a three and one deal. Back. So, like,
0: he can get out of it. I think it's like a player option or something like that.
2: Ugh, it's just mind boggling. And then, of course, uh, Chris Paul re-upped or signed a max deal with houston good luck for paul but if i was houston i'm not sure if i would have signed him to a four-year max but what say you kenny and then i'll let you renee renee you can chime in really quickly kenny quickly as well and then we can go on to some dale jr talk
0: (laughs) um yeah you know the nba right now with this free agency period has been crazy let alone the fact that it's only been a small weekend we've had all these moves it's mind boggling. But this is a product of what the CBA created, some true freedom, huge salary caps and teams make an exception with that luxury tax. And that's all we got. What we got today. It still might be an interesting season. That's what I'm thinking. Still, I don't think the writing's on the wall to say that it's over. Game still got to be played.
2: Very true. Renee?
1: And I will say this really quickly as well. I mean, this just kind of goes to show you where the NBA is at this point in 2018 in this day and age. Definitely a lot different than maybe when me and Tam were growing up watching the NBA. But it's amazing how living in Los Angeles for the last 13 years and since LeBron's been in the league, I've heard so many Laker fans literally talk so much trash about LeBron James, about trying to compare him to Kobe, which I don't personally and I don't want to go down this other rabbit hole, but I am personally not a fan of Kobe Bryant myself in general. But the fact that they, they would always talk about how he will never be Kobe Bryant or how he will never live up to the expectations of Michael Jordan or whoever they they're trying to put him up against. Now he's on the Lakers. And now these same people are sitting here praising the Lakers. Let's go team LeBron. Let's go team Lakers. And I mean, the hypocrisy is absolutely, I mean, just, It makes my stomach turn. Now, on the flip side of that, I'm happy that uh, CP3 re-signed with Houston, and I hope we can uh, maybe go uh, a step further. But nevertheless, the Golden State Warriors are still going to be the team to beat. I don't care who it is.
2: Renee is a Houston Rocket fan. He's a Houston (laughs) National fan. He's a Houston, Houston, Houston fan because that's where he's from. That was that, if you guys were wondering. And I said it with a little bit of sarcasm. If you didn't pick up, Uh just a little bit at the end. Okay, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. Yes, I grew up uh, Showtime, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Byron Scott, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Who am Michael Cooper. Coop. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I grew up watching that type of basketball. And I will just say this about LeBron. I feel like we are all, well, not me, but people are always comparing him to MJ when in fact they should have always been comparing him to Magic Johnson because he is that big ball handler slash guard like, you know, he can play multiple positions like Magic play. Magic play guard, off guard, point guard and center when you needed him and LeBron can do the same. Michael can't. And at the end of the day, I'm tired of the Michael-LeBron comparisons because I'm fortunate enough to have lived in both eras. And let's just be real, Magic was better than Michael. And yes, I'm going to go on record and say that because how many times did, how many rings does Magic have? How many times did Magic go to the NBA Finals? I think people, sometimes there's this illusion, people count Michael's money and they count the shoes and they their judgment is a little cloudy but magic is just I mean you know we can go really deep and start talking about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain and all those guys but I'm just not a Michael Jordan stand. so we'll leave it at that that was a little
1: Well, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> oh, man. That could go for days. Yeah, we should go into some Dale Jr. and predictions.
2: <laughs> okay, so yeah, we'll go to Dale Jr. predictions. Because we already did our fan comment of the yeah, week. Okay. Let's talk about Dale Jr. Yeah. I thought that he was great in the booth. It was a much-needed refresh for NBC. He added way more than a little personality towards the end because I think he forgot he was in the booth and I think he thought he was on the Dell Jr. download and just having a good old time on the couch with the boys because he went completely ape crap at the end. He was like, slide job, all this. He was like, oh, you know, he he enjoyed himself. And that made me enjoy myself watching the race. And again, I just thought he was a refresher to the booth because he's not stuffy. Like he said, he's getting paid to be himself. He's getting paid to talk about a sport that he loves, which is racing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What what did you think, Kenny?
0: I thought the broadcast was really good. It was fresh, as you said, Tam. Like he, Dale Jr. was himself. And I feel like the four person broadcast worked pretty well with those guys. It was rejuvenated. The camera angles were good. Not an excessive amount of bumper cams for one thing. We could really watch the race and then having their additional commentary in the background just made everything better let alone NBC's call at the end was great so was MRN's they did well and it seemed like everyone was just so excited and that type of energy is what we need and honestly I think that's a great way to head into Daytona I really thought in the beginning of this weekend that Daytona should have been ahead of Chicagoland but with that type of race and then now we have a plate race next I want to see that same excitement and I think we definitely can get that at Daytona knowing that it has some of the wildest finishes in the in the July race for sure.
1: Yeah, you, you know, I I think that's that's perfectly well said Kenny. I mean, the the easiest thing that Dale Earnhardt Jr in his hands was the way that that race played out. I mean, the whole day, the race was great. And it was really easy for Dale Jr. to do. And not not that I'm trying to uh, uh, make an excuse of, of why he was so good. I think he would have been great, even if it was a snooze fest, uh, because that's who Dale Jr. is. And I completely agree that his personality, his persona, and the way that he carries himself is so easy to do, even in the booth. I thought the same thing, uh, Tam. I thought he thought he was on the Dale Jr. download. He was so comfortable. And I read the, the little article from the Charlotte Observer and what they, they were saying about it. And I kind of have to agree with, with the Charlotte Observer a little bit too. They didn't say anything bad about Dale Jr. They were praising him and how well he did. But they did point out some of the things that Dale Jr. Uh, mentioned uh, himself, which was uh, a little post-broadcast after the broadcast. And Dale was just saying that he wanted to thank everybody who was giving him, uh, you know, uh, positive feedback. But, but Dale Jr. admitted he goes, Man, there, there's a lot of things that I, I still have to learn. And, uh, the fact of looking at the race and trying to describe it from a strategic standpoint, he's like, I'm always in the car. So I don't, I don't see, you know, the other strategies that the other races are doing. But now that I'm in the booth, and 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 I have the opportunity to see these strategies unfold. He's like, man, it's eye opening because now you can see it from a different perspective. And he's like, and I'm going to continue to learn to do that. And uh, and he's going to have continue to learn how to uh, be comfortable with criticizing. Not just other drivers, but his his own former teammates that he used to drive with for years. And that's going to be tough. And he, he knows that's going to be a tough transition. But I tell you this, Dale Jr., that guy, he'll find any way to make the transition smooth. And I totally believe that he will. So uh, I, he, he's got a lot to learn. He said, I believe he'll do it.
2: I agree with everything both of you guys said. I think... For me, that's what I liked about Dale Jr., that he wasn't polished. Sometimes we need authenticity and not a bunch of fakeness. And granted, you do want the professional delivering the news. It's like, this is the thing from somebody who has existed in the blogger world. But technically, I guess I am a writer because I've been paid to write. I haven't written in a book, but hey, I write for publications. Technically, I'm a blogger slash professional writer. I guess you can say that. There are times when you just need an opinion that is not so polished, but you do need an opinion that is from somebody that's an expert. And he gives you that. Exactly. He gives you that and then some. I'm not sure if you guys saw this tweet from Jeff Gluck, but Jeff Gluck wrote, all set up and ready to watch the Chicago race on TV. Are you making a point to watch this race more than normal because of Dale Jr.? Or does it not change your viewing habits much? There was a twist to this. It got really interesting, this question, because Kelly Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s sister, and some would say the brains behind a lot of everything because, you know, their business partners, she's his right hand, their sister and brother, they're super close. She responded and chimed in and said, why can't people just answer yes or no and leave out the hatred and bashing of not just someone who's my brother, but the sport, others in the booth, other networks, etc. The world truly needs more kindness, grace and humility. I had to reread that a couple of times because I was like, was she bashing Jeff Gluck for actually asking the question? But then I said, well, maybe she was actually chiming in on some of the comments because I don't know what came first, her comment right after he posted it, or was it that she saw the comments and then she decided to chime in. But just to give you an idea of some of the comments most of them that I see, obviously, is Jeff Gluck. It was over two thousand. It was it was two thousand. 600 responses so 2600 responses to Jeff's questions. so obviously I'm not going to see them all but I will read a few uh, the PETM Racing Podcast guys their user is PETM podcast they chimed in and said I know it's personal for you because Dale's your little brother but people being mean have their own set of issues that seem to come out on Twitter the broadcast was great the race was great excellent jumping on point for M. NBC. That's what they thought. Sherry Pollocks, who we all know, Martin Truex Jr.'s longtime girlfriend, fiance, she chimed in and said, amen, my friend. And just randomly picking a few others, cupscene.com and that their user is cupscene, S-C-E-N-E, cupscene. They responded and said, for the record, ma'am, I think he is doing an awesome job. I listened yesterday and today, and I'm impressed. Sounds like a veteran broadcaster. And one last comment, just random. Jay Collins, user at 28 Jay Collins, he chimed in and said, nobody would act this way in person. IMO. The internet makes people artificially brave. (laughs) It speaks more volumes about something being wrong with their life rather than whatever slash whoever they're complaining about. That's how I view it anyway. Hey, I'm not mad at Kelly whatsoever. What do you guys think?
0: I don't, I can't get mad at her at all. Of course, you're going to have people that are going to say something bad about it. No matter what. It, it, he could have done the perfect broadcast. Someone's going to have something negative to say about it. And I do. I do see why she had to say something. It is her family. That's her brother. You know, like that's that's her blood. That's her family. She's going to react to stuff like that. And I completely understand why. But I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't think she was attacking Gluck. I think she was more so probably glancing at a few of the comments, which usually on Twitter or any website where you can comment on something is probably not the best thing to look through because you're always going to have negative no matter what you do. That's just kind of the nature of this world. You know, that that's just kind of my take. How about you, Renee?
1: I'm pretty much the same thing. She has to say that. Why wouldn't she not respond that way? I think Jeff Gluck asking the answer in general, though. And I don't know. And like I said, I, I think, Tam, I'm kind of with you. I don't know whether she's responding to just some of the feed or the the, the the fact that Jeff Gluck asked this question. I mean, Jeff Gluck has to ask that question. I mean, he's a journalist. He writes. It's what he does. Uh, I think any sports writer would, would ask a question like that. But it's a legitimate question why wouldn't it be? Technically, there probably are some people that just watched it just because of Dale Jr. He has that many fans. He's that popular still to the sport. He's not even driving anymore. Now, whether or not she was responding to some of the people on the feed, well, then, I mean, of course, she's going to respond that way. I would respond that way if, if that was my brother or that was my cousin and we were close. I think her response is legitimate, and but I just think the question is legitimate. So you ask a question, you get a response. That's what you got there.
2: Okay. I think we can leave that right where it is because it is what it is. People are internet brave and we all know that. Like the commenter said, nobody's really going to say it in your face. Okay, it is time for some predictions, predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's race predictions. Renee usually gives us his predictions before I give him and you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, our listeners, our friends, friends to the show, I usually give you the past 10. But we're going to switch up things today, and I am going to let Kenny tell us who he got, and I said who he got, yeah, I said it like that, who you got for Daytona for the Coke Zero 400. It is the Coke Zero 400, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Coke, okay, who you got, Coke Kenny? Sh- Kenny? Coke Zero, laid on his Coke Zero sugar one hundred. They added one more word this year. Oh yeah, the sugar.
2: <laughs> okay, sugar.
0: I forget it too. Honestly, I've I've said Coke Zero four hundred so much, but I think for this race, I think I'm gonna go ahead and give it a wild card, and I'm gonna go ahead and say Ricky Stenhouse is gonna repeat. I think he will do it again. Wow. I think so. I love that pick.
2: Okay, and your alternative pick?
0: Alternative, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace. Actually, he did well in the Daytona 500, and even last year in his one-off appearance at Daytona, he did pretty good. So I think it's a really good shot for somebody who's not in the best equipment to really win, because nine times out of the ten, they're going to tear some stuff up coming to the end for sure.
2: If you can only see my face, I'm going to describe my face when you said Bubba Wallace. <laughs> you know that meme that goes around with Swaggy P with the question Yeah, marks?
0: yeah, yeah. I've seen that. <laughs> I I and use that so much.
2: Right <laughs> and if you don't know, Swaggy P is an NBA player. He actually just got a ring with the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> He changed his name to Playoff P. Right? Yeah. During the play- now
0: that was um. Now that was Paul George did the Playoff P thing. But you know Nick Young is always Swaggy P. I oh, I
2: thought Nick Nick Young was Playoff P too. Nah, you sure?
0: nah. I think Paul George is the only one to deem that one. But he went with. This, okay. I think he stuck with Swaggy P. Got to go with Swaggy P. <laughs> oh well. There Imagine
2: that Swaggy well, P, Mem, and that's the face that I gave you <laughs> right now when you said Bubba. Okay, Renee, who Th- those you got? are
1: some predictions right there, my
2: brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. That now, Kenny and the listeners that listen to our podcast should know my thing when it comes to predictions. I am not going to pick anybody outside this bubble of Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr., because it doesn't seem like anybody other than those three can win a race. And I'm not going to pick another driver unless I see another driver other than those three win a race. So the fact that Kyle Busch won this race this past weekend. I got no choice but to go with Kevin Harvick. And if I have to pick an alternate, it's going to be Martin Truex Jr. And I can guarantee you, I can almost see Kyle Bush winning again, but I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. And as my alternative pick, I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. And those are my picks that I'm sticking with.
2: Okay. Those are Renee's lazy picks because I feel like... (laughs) You know, I love Renee, but I'm going to tell you why I think they're lazy picks. Because Renee, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, there's a pattern with Renee. First, he was all Jimmy Johnson every week. Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson. That was last year. And then he realized Jimmy ain't got that old thing back. This year, I don't even think you've picked him maybe once. Because this is like the 18th race, right? If I'm not mistaken. So now his lazy pick, every week he's going with the big three. Now, granted, he backs it up with why he's doing it. But I just need you to go out on a limb, Renee. That's my challenge to you. Next week. Okay, next week. I want you to pick somebody outside the big three. You got it. All right. Okay, now I'm guilty because I feel like every week I've been picking somebody in the big three as well. But on that note, past 10 winners at Daytona. But this is for the July race, because as you guys know, there's the Daytona 500. That is usually in February, end of February. And there is the 4th of July race every year at Daytona International Speedway. We've been racing at Daytona since 1959, before any of us was born, because we may be old, but we're not that old. No disrespect to anybody that was born around that era, but that's not our era. 2008, Kyle Busch was your winner. That was 10 years ago. 2009, Tony Stewart. 2010, Kevin Harvick. 2011, David Reagan. 2012, Tony Stewart. 2013, Jimmy Johnson. 2014, Eric Almirola won at Daytona. 2015, Dale Earnhardt Jr. 2016, Brad Keselowski. 2017, Ricky Stenthouse Jr. Who said that they really thought he was going like the eyes of him going back to back? Kenny is stacked against you. Oh, uh, but okay. I don't know.
0: I think he's got a good shot. I think Rouse's plate program isn't bad. Hey, listen, you never know. Trevor Bayne exactly. might never, do it. Oh, you know, know. what? You're,
2: you're this is like when we addressed last week. It's like, okay, A.J. Amadinger did great at one road course, and y'all think he the road course racer to pick every damn year, every race, every road I don't
0: know. I'm one of those people who eventually got to the point where I'm like, man, let me look at this dude's stats at the road course. When I finally realized that Sonoma was that bad for him, I haven't picked him since. And with Stenhouse and even Bain on the plate tracks, they've done well. So that's kind of where my philosophy is going because I think Rouse has finally got that plate program better and maybe he might just do it again and once again celebrate by calling it the Firecracker 400 just for the historic.
2: <laughs> you got a good point because Ricky did win Talladega because he won Talladega, Daytona. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's done great at plate yeah. racing, but I don't know if he can go back to back only because it's just not the nature of Daytona. That's true. But saying that to say- Moving on with the notables, and these are notables for active drivers. Jimmy Johnson is a three-time winner at Daytona. Kevin Harvick, Matt Kensett, my dude, oh, I wish Matt could get a win. Jamie And Jamie McMurray, so let me repeat that. That's Kevin Harvick, Matt Kensett, and Jamie McMurray, they're all two-time winners at Daytona. In regards to start, Matt Kensett has 36 starts at Daytona. Now we talked about it last week or week before last. He's actually a grandpa. That's mind boggling. He's the only grandpa that's racing, at least that we can wow. think of. Cause his son had a kid or ha- is, I should double check this cause I've mentioned this twice, but I think the baby already came. Mackenzie has 36 starts at Daytona. Kurt. Bush and Kevin Harvick have 34 starts at Daytona. Jimmy Johnson and Ryan Newman have 33 starts. And Jamie McMurray has 31 starts at Daytona. So that's the 30 for 30 for 30 for 30 club. Now that I have given you your history lesson, who am I picking? Because I know you guys want to know. I am going to pick Kurt Busch as my winner and again I just kind of got on you Kenny for I mean Kurt won the 500 last year so eh, you know it's kind of the odds are stacked against you but I feel like he has to do something like Eric Amarola is doing great but Kurt is in the mix with his teammates that Stuart Haas team is stacked and he wants some of that love. So I'm going to pick Kurt Busch as my winner. And my alternative, I am I was going to go with Ryan Blaney, but as I start to listen to my thoughts on the Stuart Haas team, I'm going to go with my man, Clint Boyer.
0: Okay, not bad. Clint Boyer, love it.
2: Okay, and well,
0: those I guess that's the-
2: it. And <laughs> you guys want to talk about anything else?
0: Uh, I think that's about it. Boyer's a good pick, though. <laughs> I think he's good.
2: Okay, well, that's the show.
1: Those are Tam's picks. Those are Kenny's picks. And uh listen, before we, I close this show out, Kenny, I just want to thank you for coming on. It is it is absolutely always a pleasure having you on our podcast. It's always a pleasure talking NASCAR and just talking with you in general, my brother. I want to thank Tam for reaching out to you and having you come on. And I can speak for Tam. I mean, we, we just always appreciate your insight, your your input on this show. And just between us three here, I love when all three of us are on together. I really like the chemistry here, and I hope our listeners do, too. You guys that listen to our podcast on a regular basis, please give a shout-out to our buddy, Front Row Kenny, and follow him on Twitter. Follow him on social media. He is absolutely just a wonderful guy, and he's doing some big things in his own uh, uh, career. And and good luck to your brother, and it's always a pleasure having you on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys a ton. It's always been a good time coming on. Every single time we seem to always go further than what we think we do, we say we're going to do a 30-minute podcast. Next thing you know, we're almost (laughs) an hour.
2: (laughs) Me and Tim say that all the time. But it's always good fun, though. But what you guys trying to say? I talk no, to no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> never that. I will say this, uh, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to search for All Turns, No Breaks on Apple Podcasts if you have an iPhone or Google Play if you are on an Android. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. You can also find the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Or wherever you get your podcast, If you uh, have friends that love NASCAR just as much as you do, make sure to turn them on at All Turns No Breaks. Tell at least two friends to subscribe to All Turns No Breaks. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram across the board at Turns No Breaks. Make sure to follow us if you want NASCAR news directly in your email box. Head over to our website, allturnsnobreaks.com, and sign up for our newsletter. For Kenny, for Tam, myself, Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to talking NASCAR each and every week, and especially next week.
2: Bye-bye. Boom. slot job. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee.